Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Today is another, another beautiful day. Hey, thank you guys for joining in on my podcast. This is Arthur Pearlie Martin with Biblical Principles for Inner Healing. If you're on here, please mute your phone. That way we won't hear the background noise unless I'm... But if you have a question when I'm finished, um, I'll stay on for a minute so you can buzz in an actual question. Okay, today we're going to talk about shipwreck. <laughs> Relationships is something the Lord has put in my belly for a few days, and I'm ready to release it. I'm ready to release it. It's like ready, set, go. It's time to release it and let it go. Um, because we know that the family is definitely a thing that the devil is would love to see uh, severed. Um, but again, we know um, that, uh, like we like we always spoke of earlier, you know that the devil is coming for the word, right? So we have to hold on to the word of God. But first, we're gonna pray again. Thank you guys for that who are listening in. This is Arthur Pearly Martin, Biblical Principles for Inner Healing. And uh, we're going to get ready to pray before we start. Father, we just thank you for being together in the midst of us. Um, You said where two or three are joined together, there you are. And Father God, we just thank you for being here right now. We thank you for your anointing that's going to destroy every yoke. In the name of Jesus, give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, a heart to believe, eyes to see, ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us this day. I thank you, Father, for uh, people will be delivered, saved, and set free. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many of you know um, Jesus said he did not come to bring peace? Right? We're going we're gonna to tune in here. He said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Let's dig into this. You say, what? Jesus didn't come to bring peace. No, he said he is peace. And and those who keep our minds stayed on him, that he would keep us in perfect peace. Um, But what he said was, he said, I did not come to bring peace. John 14 and 3. Um, Jesus said, I come again. Hold on one second. But he said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I did not come to bring peace. But if we want peace, we're going to have to keep our minds stayed on him. Matthews 10. If we want peace, we're definitely going to keep our minds stayed on him. Matthews 10, 34. I want to read the Bible Hub so I can read different translations. Uh, Matthews 10, 34. It says, um, English Standard Version. It says, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. <laughs> Luke 12, 51, the cross reference says, do you think that I've come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but division. You saying, um, what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? Let's go on a little bit further. Let's go down a little bit further. Um, Luke, Mark, Matthews 10, 33 through 35. Let's see. It says, but whoever denies me before men, I also would deny him before my father in heaven. Do not assume that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. We're going to, to expound on this right here so we make sure we get a good understanding of what he's saying. Okay? Hold on one second. Let's go into it a little bit more. Matthews 10. Whoever, 10, Matthews 10, 40. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who, who sent me. The one who receives a prophet receives a prophet. Uh, he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is righteous, a righteous person, will receive a righteous person reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of water, uh, a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. I, I want to go back up here. Let me go back up here a little further. He says, um, 34, let me read it again here. Um, 1034, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Hmm. So he's saying here he's going to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemy will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever takes not this cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Hmm. So what is he saying here? What you mean you didn't? He said, I didn't come to bring, look at the wording. He said, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth. Remember, Jesus tells us and teaches us that in this world, we're going to have some trouble, right? But those who keep their minds stayed on him, he will keep in perfect peace. So really what I was trying to get to the part was uh, how he said he didn't come to bring peace, but he came to bring a sword. And now a mother would be set against the daughter and the father against the son and so on and so forth. So what do, what do you mean by that? He said, I come to bring a sword. And how many of you know that the sword, remember the Bible tells us that the sword of the spirit is the word of God, right? So he said, I come to bring the sword. I came to bring the word. And that's what's going to cause division and dissension within the families. That's what's going to cause division and dissensions um, within the body, um, in the earth is when you believe I'm a believer of Christ and you're not, that's the sword. The sword is going to separate us. The sword is going to divide us. The sword is going to put, it's going to pit a daughter and a mother-in-law against each other because the daughter is going to be believing, the mother's going to be believing in Christ and the daughter is not going to be believing in Christ. I, I, I know this is true for myself because I experienced this. You know, my mother became a believer and um, none of her kids were saved. And we was looking at her like, who is this person? I mean, she had a Damascus Street experience, you guys. Okay, she was not the same person. She was not the same person. She was not the same person. We're like, who in the world? My mother had changed so much that we missed her. It was like she wasn't even there anymore. That's how dramatic her change was. That's how how her dramatic her encounter with Jesus Christ was. 
It's like one week you cuss and the next week, but she never really cursed a lot around us. But one week you curse and the next week you're not. I mean, you was a to- she was a totally different person. She was a totally different person. So it was putting us at odds because when we would come to her to say something, when we would come to her to say something, it was like she just wanted to give us the wisdom of God, right? Well, we didn't want the wisdom of God because we did we was none of his because we didn't have the spirit of God. But it would be it wouldn't it wouldn't be a Bible sermon or anything like that. It would just be like um, you need to get your life right. <laughs> when we would come to her with a prompt a problem, you know, she wasn't trying to use her own wisdom. She wasn't trying to lead to her own understanding. So when we would come to um when we would come to her with a problem, she would come to us with the with the with the word. And what the word would be, it wouldn't be a sermon because we weren't saved. It would be you need to get your life right. And you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. She said, uh, you need to get your life right. And you need to get your life to Jesus Christ. That's what she would say. In that order. Because that was the order. Because I can't tell you you need to change and not tell you how to change, right? And change don't come without a relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you know that life, it just don't work right without Jesus Christ? It don't. Life don't work right without Jesus Christ. So she would tell us, so what, what is it that's causing all of this turmoil? What's going to set at variance a mother-in-law against her daughter and a daughter against the mother and the father against the son and all this kind of stuff when we're on different sides of the track? You know, Amos 3 and 3 asked the question. He said, how can two walk together except they both agree, right? How can they walk together? My title of my sermon is, I don't know if I told you early, shipwreck relationships. So here Jesus is telling us there's going to be some shipwreck relationships because of, we're on different sides of the gospel. And that's really what it's all about. It's a spiritual warfare. I know that we think that we our fight is against flesh and blood people. But for real, according to Ephesians 6 and 12, our fight is against demonic demons. Right? Ephesians 6 and 12. And when we when we get that revelation that my fight is not against my brother, my fight is not against my sister, my fight is not against uh, my aunt, my uncle, or whoever it is, then we can have compassion for one another and we can begin to pray for one another. Ephesians um, 6 and 12 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand, to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having gird your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. Above all, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And then you need to put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right? So Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. 
and a sword is going to separate and divide because those who don't believe in Christ are going to be, spiritually speaking, they're going to sometimes be at odds with the ones who do believe in Christ. But as born-again believers, it's our responsibilities as ambassadors of Christ and ministers or reconciliators is to help reconcile these people, our family members, our loved ones, and anyone else that we encounter, our neighbors, people that's in our influence is our neighbors. As ambassadors of Christ and ministers of reconciliators, it's our responsibility to reconcile people back to the Father, reconcile our family members back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Because otherwise, you know, the devil wants to shipwreck our family. But I don't know about you, but according to the word, God is interested in family. He's interested in household deliverance. Okay? He, when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he didn't just bring um, the, 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 the adults, but he brought the children. He brought the whole entire family and a few other people that came along. Okay? And then when Ahab, she took Ahab the prost- Rahab the prostitute went in to protect, uh, protect the spies, they promised her, listen, if you'll, if you'll uh, hide us and not tell where we are, when we come in to destroy the land, we won't destroy your family. But this is what you have to do. You're going to have to put your entire family up in this room. And then when we come through to take the land, we're not going to mess with your family. It's um, Joshua too. The story of Rahab. We're not going to mess with your family. But you need to take this red crimson cord. How many of you know that? Which represents the blood of Jesus. (laughs) You need to take this red crimson cord. and, And that's what we need to do. We need to take that red crimson cord and make sure we wrap it. The blood of Jesus. Make sure we wrap them and surround them and through prayer in the blood of Jesus. Because God is interested in household salvation. So he told Rahab, the prostitute, who helped the spies. She she helped the spies. She hid the spies. When they came in, when Joshua and them came in to spy out the land, and um, she hid them. Right? Joshua 2 is Joshua 2, uh, 1 through 24. That's where you'll find the story of Rahab, the prostitute. And she, she made history, right? Because of what she did. She hid, the, she hid the spies. So when they came in, um, so they wouldn't kill them. Because God had promised them the land, right? And so uh, he told Moses to send in spies. So uh, Moses sent the spies in to spy out the land to see what they was going to have to do to conquer the land. And they promised her that if you hide us, if you if you don't tell where we are, when we come in, we're not we're not gonna kill anybody that's with you. Because everything attached to you. See, look look at this. I just want you to know that um even though it was Rahab that helped the spies, they did they didn't just say we're gonna save you. But they said, we'll save your house too because you was faithful to us. They said, we're not going to just save you, but we're going to save your household too. Let, let me read it here. Bible Hub. 
Joshua 6, let's see, Joshua 6, 25. And Rahab's, Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwelled in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So Rahab's entire family was saved. That You know, when the spies came in um, to uh, destroy the land, her family was not destroyed. When the devil sent his demons in, he wasn't able to conquer her family because she was covered. <laughs> she was covered by the blood of Jesus, that red crimson cord. That's what separated her. That's how they was able to identify her because of the blood, the, the bloodline. That red cord represents the bloodline. That red crimson cord they saw the blood and they said no we're gonna bypass here they the death angel when it came to the um when it came through the camp um it did not was enable the directions uh, Moses gave was you know what put the blood over the doorpost and when the death angel come through it's gonna see that blood and it's not gonna be able to touch you <laughs> So we need to put the blood. That's what the devil see when he see us, you guys. The devil, he sees the blood of Jesus over us. We got to get back to talking about the blood because we have to have faith in the redemptive blood of Jesus to even believe Psalm 91. We have to have blood, faith in the blood of Jesus to be able to believe and know that we're protected. It was the blood of Jesus that protected the children of Israel from the angel of death, from the death angel. And it's that same blood that protects us today when we put our faith in what the word of God say. The death angel, death, you cannot come here. Death does not live here because when you see the blood, it's not faith in a in a shop. It's faith in the blood. And when you see the blood, <laughs> you got to pass us by. Um, the Holy Spirit is taking me, it seems to be taking me in another direction. I, I want you to know that um God is interested in household in the same way the devil wants to pass down the generational curse. God wants to pass down the generational blessing. I, I want you to know it's so important that we're not so quick to cut people off and to cut people out. Um, but when we're having conflict, we're going to have to ask the Lord for his wisdom to deal with this complicated situation. And so I like to say, because the word of God says, it's the goodness of God that draws us people to repentance, right? It's the goodness of God, not the anger of God, not the judgment of God, but we're under a new covenant. It's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. This is if they're not wicked because wicked, you know, there's a difference in evil and wicked. <laughs> Wickedness is a condition of your heart. Evil is a, just a bad attitude. When you're plot, you know, when you're wicked, you begin to plot and plan uh, and you move off into the things, the seven things that God hates. So what, what is wicked? You, um, it's, it, you get into the seven things that God hates. And when you run into people that are wicked, the goodness of God is not going to overcome it. Because Proverbs says, do not rebuke a wicked man unless he turns and hates you. Because you're dealing with a condition of a heart. So God knows that not everybody's going to change. Okay. Um, but he's interested 
in our household. So what are the seven things that God hates? Let's see if we can find it here. Seven things. It's in Proverbs. Seven things. Seven things God hates. Um, Yes, the word hate is in the Bible. There's seven things that God hates. And when we see someone on this road, that's not a good road. That's not a good road to travel because God hates these seven things. This is this is really um, the um, the characteristics of wicked. Wicked and evil is different, you guys. Wicked, wicked is a wicked will plot and plant. Wicked is like um, Mordecai. Haman, the story uh, in the book of Esther, um, he had a wicked spirit. He was plotting, planning, and scheming, right? Okay, let's go. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devised wicked schemes. That's Proverbs 6, 18. He said he hate a heart that devised wicked schemes. So you, if you are a schemer, a plotter, or planner, I'm telling you, if you can hear my voice, and if it's convicting you in any way, now would be a time to repent of it. Don't harden your heart when you hear the word of God, because every time we harden our heart, when we hear the word of God, every time we say no to God, we harden our heart to God. So 18 says, he says he hates a heart that devised wicked schemes. Do you have a, I pray that none of you that are listening to the sound of my voice have a wicked heart because a wicked heart, they plot, plan, and they scheme. They do this stuff on purpose. An evil part, uh, when we're acting evil, that's an attitude. You're acting ugly. You're acting evil. Okay, but when you're wicked, that's when it goes down into the heart of a man. That becomes part of your character. And Proverbs say, don't even rebuke a wicked person lest they turn in hatred. I've ran into some wicked people. And how many of you know that God said he resists those that are proud? But he gives grace to those that will humble themselves. Therefore, submit yourselves under the mighty hand of God, resist the devil. So in dealing with relationships, I'm trying to stick with this. When you come across someone that has a, that, that devise wicked schemes, they're plotting. I'm not talking about an evil attitude. I'm talking about wicked because the world, um, they're doing what they're supposed to do. So when we have unsafe family members, The devil wants to take those relationships and cause shipwreck. He wants to tear them apart. And when we don't know how to properly communicate, what we do is we just shut people out. We don't know how. So what we do is what we need to do on some of those family relationships. And I'm not talking about the uh, the wicked, those that plot, plan, and scheme evil. But what we need to do is go back and say, Lord, um, give me wisdom and to show me how because you you say Rahab's family and Acts 16 31 says that when the angels opened the gates of the you know and the, the apostle Paul and them out so the apostle Paul and them was free to leave the prison guard became very afraid and, and the apostle Paul says don't be afraid we're still here no one has gone he said but if you believe 
Not only shall you be saved, but your household. Acts 16.31. This was a promise that my mom stood on. She became saved. And when I got accepted Jesus Christ, this is a promise I began to stand on. Acts 16.31. If Because I believe, Lord, not only shall I be saved, but my household. And we see that. Because that's what happened to Rahab. She believed what the spies said to her. I know that she believed because she acted on what she heard because she did not tell. That was her faith working. Her faith was made complete by her works. She believed that um, that they was going to come in and destroy that city. She believed that. And so she did. She acted on what she believed by not telling them where they were. Right? And because she believed, not only was she saved, but her entire household was saved. And I don't know about you, but... That's the promise I stand on, Acts 16.31. Because I believe, like Rahab, like the prison guard, not only is God will God save me, but he will save my household also. It's so important that we put the blood of Jesus around our family. Now, he said your family. He said we're going to save your family. He didn't say friends. Because I'm not responsible for my friends. I pray for my friends. Come on now, because it's not just my four no more. But one thing I can lay claim on, because I have a promise, is Acts 16 and 31. Because I believe, because I believe like Rahab believed, because I believe like the Roman soldiers believed in Acts 16, 31. Not only shall I be saved, because see, that promise is for us too. See, God is no respectable a person. And the same promise he meant for them is the same promise he means for us. Because his word changes not, right? I, I want to try to get through Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Okay, so in 18, he says, A heart that divides wicked schemes he hates. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. Watch where your feet go. Are you going around spreading gossip, spreading bad rumors about people, family members, whoever? God says he hates it. He hates feet. That are quick to rush into evil. you Like a dog carrying a bone. you from house to house. Spreading gossip. Spreading bad, wicked rumors. Trying to ruin people's reputation and character. These are things that God says he hates. He said he hates a false witness who pours out lies. So I'm telling you what God hates. So if we can, if you are in the sound of my voice. And, you, and if you are convicted or convinced. Of, it, of doing any of these things, now will be a good time to repent because every time we say no to God, we resist God and God resists us. Because how many of you know, the Bible says God resists the proud. Proud people don't want to submit to God because they see themselves as being God and I got this God and I don't need to. I'm going to do it my way. I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want. And that brings me to King Saul. Because the Bible says he didn't do what God told him to do. He did what he wanted to do. And so the prophet came to Saul and said, you know what? Rebellion is equal to the sin of witchcraft. Some of us are practicing witchcraft (laughs) and don't even know it. Because when we're out of line with God in any area of our lives, and we're knowingly doing this, whether it's in family, marriage, uh, friendship, whatever, when you knowingly is out of line, because for him that know it to do good and do it not for him is sin. So are you shipwrecking your family's relationship because you refuse to repent? 
We have to operate as believers. We're called to be ambassadors. If you're the believer in your family, you might be the only one. Excuse me. If you are, then it's your responsibility to be the light in the midst of that darkness. It's your responsibility to be the peacemaker and not to be drawn into the drama, but to be able to operate in the wisdom of God and to be able to say what he said. So that brings me, I want to, I want to, I'm going to see if I can finish here. Okay, and 19 says, this is the last one, a false witness who pours out lies. Okay, the last one is, and a person who stares up conflict in the community or conflict within the family. Let me, let me read another version of it that makes it plainer. There are these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devised wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to do evil, a false witness who speak lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. One of them say the family. God hates that. God is not the author of confusion. What's gonna, what happens is the thing that divides and separates us is the word of God. When, you're, when you decide to take a stand for Christ, you're going to be persecuted. Yes, even in your family. But know that um, when people don't know God, they can't act like God. When people don't know God, they don't live like God. So don't, they're acting the way they're supposed to be acting. They're doing what the devil tells them to do. But rebellion is equal to the sin of witchcraft, right? Because when, why is this? Because when rebellion... Um, we exercise our will above God's will. When we are in rebellion, we operate. We um, we put our we put our will above God's will, and we say, God, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do, and that's when we become a god in our own life. That's a very dangerous place to be in. Okay, so the Bible says that he told King Saul, the prophet Samuel said, rebellion is equal to the sin of witchcraft. So uh, King Saul, King Saul and David, that's a good relationship I like to talk about. But um, let me ask you this question before I get into that. So we say that when someone is... um, not saved, then they're doing what the fathers say, right? Because the Bible says, Jesus was saying, you are of your father, the devil, and you'll do what you, you know, what he say. We're not all God's children. We're all God's creation because Romans tells us he who have not the spirit of God is none of his. Okay. So understanding that and understanding Ephesians 6 and 12, that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood people and that we as believers to those that believe he gave power to become the sons of God, that we as believers, we can lay hands on the sick, that we can cast out devils, okay? Understanding and knowing that we're not dealing with the person, that we're dealing with the spirit that's operating through the person. It causes us to have a whole entire outlook for our family members, and not just our family members, but for people, period. It it should cause us as ambassadors of Christ and ministers or reconciliators to want to be able to take authority over that spirit that's using our loved ones. Because God has promised us in Acts 16.31, just like he promised the prison guard and just like he promised Rahab, that if we believe, not only shall we be saved, but our household also. But he wants to shipwreck the friendships. He wants to shipwreck the family. He wants to shipwreck 
uh, the marriage by how stealing our faith. Um, we have to have faith to believe anything that God say in order to be able to believe anything that God say. See how simple that is. So when we don't know what the word of God say concerning our marriage, uh, the devil, he comes. Um, we destroy for a lack of knowledge. Um, what we don't know is really hurting us. Whatever area in our lives that we're being attacked in, whether it's financially, whether it's with our family or whatever, we need to put on the full armor of God. We need to find out what the word of God say, because remember we read earlier that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. When he was talking about in Ephesians 6 and 12, 13, 14, all through down there about putting on the full armor of God. And he says that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. So um, our loved ones are acting like they're supposed to because the devil is using them. So, but as ambassadors of Christ and ministers of reconciliators, we don't have to, um, we have to understand um, that we as born again believers can bind. God said, whatever you bind on earth, he said, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loosen earth shall be loosened in heaven. Uh, whatever you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. And whatever you don't allow on earth won't be allowed in heaven. Right? So we have power and authority in the earth to rule and reign as kings and priests over demonic spirits. And those spirits that's using our family members, we're going to have to take authority over them because God has promised us, like he did Rahab. He promised Rahab that if, when the spies, Joshua said, when we come, the spies said, when we come in and we see this red, it's, it's about having faith in the blood, not faith in the shot. It's about having faith in the blood. It's about having faith in the blood. Because without faith in the blood, you're not going to be able to have faith in Psalms 91. No evil should come now my uh, no evil should come near me. No sickness, no disease should come. No pestilence should come near my dwelling place. That's not going to work for you if you don't have blood faith in the blood of Jesus, the redemptive. He didn't just die to save us. He died to redeem us from the curse of the law. What is the curse? Any and everything that's evil, any and everything that's contrary to who he is and to how he is, is, uh, is the curse. Sickness, disease, poverty, all this is part of the curse. And any other evil or any other thing that comes contrary to what he says. So let's, let's go back here. Remember one of the things that he hates was um, um, a wicked, a, a wicked a part that plots and plans and schemes evils, a plan evil, right? That was in Proverbs. He hated that. That was one of the things. And uh, it was Proverbs 6 and 18, a heart that devised wicked plans, feet that are swift from running to do evil. God said he hate these things. He hates these things. So I want to talk about shipwreck relationships, shipwreck relationships, whether it's family, friends, or whoever. I want to talk about shipwreck relationships. And I like to go to um, 1 Samuel 19, where we're, we're going to talk about where King Saul's son, Jonathan, hid David. Um, if you get a chance, go back and read the story of how of, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19 um, where King Saul became envious of David. But King Saul had an evil spirit that would trouble him. And so David, who the Lord had anointed king, um, 
King Saul had anointed him to come and play the harp for him. And when David would play the harp for him, it would drive away the evil spirits, right? And how many of you know, that's why worship is so important because worship drives away demonic warfare spirits, okay? So um, then David, um, King Saul started sending David out to war. King Saul started becoming envious of David. David would they they would begin to chant his name and said David killed King Saul killed his thousands and David killed his ten thousand, and so he began to get envy of him, and he began to throw uh, arrows at him when he would play for him. So David knew that King Saul was trying to kill him, so David had to leave his presence. And I'm I'm coming here to say when do you cut it off? When do you let it go? There is a time and a place. And when the heart is wicked and it's plotting and planning and scheming, that's when it's time for you to leave. Because Proverbs tells you not to even correct a wicked person. And I've done that before. Lest they turn and hate you. That's what Proverbs says. It's a wicked heart because it's always plotting, planning, and scheming evil. Evil, evil, evil trying to set you up. Lying on you, spreading false rumors about you. That's a wicked and an evil heart. Don't let one be found in you. If it is, you know, you can repent any time. Are you plotting and planning someone else's demise? This is why vengeance is so dangerous. This is why the Lord said, vengeance is mine and I shall repay. The Bible say that a brother is born for adversity, right? Vengeance is mine and I shall repay. But really, at the end of the day, and beginning of the day, I want—I just really want to ask this question also before I get in this story about First Samuel 19. Um, the reason some of our relationships are shipwrecked is because we refuse to forgive. So what I have to ask the question is, is I'm, are you still angry about someone else's issues? Because when you are truly innocent and you're really suffering because you really didn't do anything wrong, then that's what's called suffering for righteousness sake. When you're suffering for the gospel, when you're suffering for doing the right thing and not as a meddler or a busybody in other people's business, but when you're suffering because you witnessed to your family members or you refuse to, you know, you're being persecuted, talked about, oh, you just too much, all this, whatever then the Bible tells us that we need to rejoice because that means that the glory of the Lord is resting upon us. But if you're, um, so when you completely didn't have anything to do with it, I asked the question, are you still angry about someone else's issues? Because that's really what unforgiveness is. Because we already talked about how we're not fighting against flesh and blood people, Ephesians 6 and 12, right? Your fight is not against that physical flesh and blood person. So what it does is, so I will, we're understanding that. So I'm angry because of how you are. I'm angry because of who you are. I'm angry because of what you said. I'm angry because of what you did. It's going to shipwreck that relationship if you don't understand that it's nothing personal. It's what they did, right? And, and that's going to bring me to the story of Samuel, of how David was wanting to know why King Saul was trying to kill him because he know he hadn't did anything to him. Is somebody trying to kill you 
and you hadn't did anything to him. I'm, I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about uh, you killed your character, ruined your reputation. Um, in any, just when I say kill here, I'm just talking about doing evil, bad things. Has anyone, and you know that you haven't did anything to them, but yet they're coming for you. So First I, I, Samuel, um, the story of uh, David and King Saul is a perfect example of understanding um, that what King Saul, David understood that what King Saul had going on didn't have anything to do with him. That's why he was so, you know, flabbergasted, like, why is he trying to kill me? Let's look at um, 1 Samuel 19. I'm going to say New King James Version. I think I need to go a bit further because this says, now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan Jonathan told David, saying, my father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father field. Okay, I want to go up a little bit further because David was telling Samuel I mean, Jonathan, that his father wanted to kill him. And, and, and Samuel said, no, that can't be. Okay, the Bible says, let's go to 1 Samuel 18. It says, Jonathan um, was knit to, to the soul of David. They had a soul tie. It was a healthy soul tie. They were friends. They were best friends. And they was loyal to each other. So Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then John, David was wanting to go home to his father's house. Okay, then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David. We're talking about the friendship between Jonathan and David. Jonathan was King Saul's son. So King Saul's son, Jonathan, had became best friends with David. He was loyal to David. Okay, Um Okay, and Jonathan took off the robe and, and was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and blow in, in his belt. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to get here now. Now it happened, so David went uh, out whenever Saul sent him, and behold, wisely, and Saul, Saul set, set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all people. Now the favor of God will cause people to be jealous of your life. Okay, so Saul set David up an army and he gave him some men and then all the people, uh, they accepted him. Okay, now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of all the cities. And in other words, David, uh, Saul sent David out to war and David, the favor of God was on him and the people began to say, David, uh, they, the, uh, the people began to say, the Philistines, okay. Let me, I don't want to get everywhere. Verse 7. So the women sang as they danced and said, when as David and them returned from the war from killing the Philistines, this is what the women began to say. They said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry. This first Samuel 18. Saul became very angry and the saying displeased him. He became angry. He, was, he began to get jealous because the people were talking about how Saul only killed thousands, but David killed his 10,000. So the spirit of envy began to raise up in him. And then, um, 
And it happened on the next day, verse 10, that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside out. So David played music with his hand as at other times. I'm, I'm skipping 1 Samuel 18, 10. Um, Saul began to get jealous of David. The spirits came back on him. David came to play the music for him. And um, so the demons would leave him alone. And Saul, while David was there playing uh, uh, so David played music with his hands as other times, verse 10, 1 Samuel 18, 10. But there was a spear in Saul's hand. Mm. Now remember, he's jealous, he's angry at David, but yet he's still hanging with him, but he's angry at him. <laughs> How many of you know that hate leads to murder? Envy leads to hate, and hate leads to murder. So here he is, he's upset because the crowd is chanting, Saul killed his thousand, David killed his, so it made him angry. But the, so the demon, the evil spirit came back on him and it began to torment him, right? So now David, who he, who he's angry with because he's envy of, is coming there in his presence, still innocently, you know, playing the music for him. Saul has the spear in his hand and Saul cast the spear at him. He said, I, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. So David is up here, you know, innocently serving him, you know, thinking that he means some good, you know, think like he's always done, playing the music. He didn't know that his heart had changed because envy had came inside of him. This is why I say envy is a dangerous spirit. But envy had came inside of him. So now he's trying to kill him because of that spirit of anger, envy that's inside of him. So now... He's, he's going into wickedness, okay? He's went from envy to, you know, went from hate, envy to hate. Hate leads to murder. Now he wants to kill him because he's jealous of him. <laughs> so this, this is what I'm talking about when a friendship is shipwrecked. But sometimes it has to be in that way because here's King Saul trying to kill David and David hadn't did anything to him, but served him. And in return for his good, King Saul was giving David evil in return for his good. That's a terrible thing to do because Proverbs say that if you return evil for if you return evil for good, evil will never leave your house. Right? So be careful how you treat people. When people are being kind to you, you need to be kind to them. Because when you're evil to people that's good to you, then those demons are coming for you. <laughs> Okay, so here, David David escaped Saul twice. You know, when he was trying to kill him, when he was throwing the sword, talking about he wanted to pin him to the wall. Now, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul saw the anointing that was on David's life. He knew that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. Samuel came and told him earlier because he didn't obey God. Therefore, Saul removed him from his presence because he could not stand the anointing that was on his life. He was so jealous of him that he couldn't stand to be around him. And he made him his captain over. Uh, so Saul removed him from his presence and made him captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. Some people want to kill you because they are afraid of you. <laughs> because they see the wisdom, the favor, and the presence of God upon your life. This is when the, the um, this is when this story, I don't know if I'm going to get to finish it. But this is when I'm telling you, sometimes we're cutting people off too short. But when people are wicked, 
See, Saul had went to wicked. He went from evil, from envy to evil, from evil to hate, from hate to murder. Now he was wicked. Because as you begin to read the story, it's going to tell you how he was always plotting and planning and trying to scheme and trick David to kill him. Come on, David, come back. I'm not going to hurt you and all this kind of stuff. His whole agenda now, he had went from, uh, it was all about trying to kill David, trying to kill his character, trying to kill, I'm, I'm bringing that into today's world, trying to kill his reputation, trying to, this is why envy is for, uh, a dangerous spirit. The Bible says where there's envy, where there's uh, where there's envy, there there's gonna be where there's envy. There's gonna be confusion. Where there's confusion and strife, where there's envy, you're gonna find confusion and strife in every evil work. Envy is a very dangerous spirit. When people are jealous of you, and people people with a wicked heart, they can't. Rep- they're not. They're not gonna repent. Because when you go from evil to wicked, you're not going to repent. A wicked heart, like I said, Proverbs say, don't even correct a wicked heart person because they're going to turn and hate you. And so Saul, he had a wicked heart. So his whole agenda, it wasn't about repenting anymore. He had he had no desire to repent. His heart, he had given himself over to this wicked spirit. Wicked is worse than evil because evil is an attitude, but wicked is a heart condition. So he had a wicked, evil heart. And his whole agenda had become about trying to kill David. And Saul commanded his servant, communicate with David secretly and say, Look, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now, therefore, become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servant spoke those words in him. He was always plotting and planning evil. Please read that, uh, 1 Samuel 18. Because I'm not going to have time to go through all of that. But I just wanted to cover some of that so you can see how Saul went from where he was to where he ended up being. So now he hates David. He's jealous of David. He's afraid of David because he sees that God is with him. He sees he has the wisdom of God on him. He has the favor of God. He understands and knows that the anointing has departed from him. It's no longer on him. God is not with him. But God is with David. So he hates him. He hates him. And this is why you're hated. Because the Bible says that those who choose to live for Christ, you too will suffer persecution. And so like the same way the devil saw the anointing on David's life is the same way the devil sees the anointing and the spirit of God and the blood of Jesus on your life. (laughs) So I'm trying to get you to see it's nothing personal. You're taking it and you're making how other people are about you. But it's so important that David is a perfect example because in spite of how Saul treated him, he still continued to be nice to them, right? But he had to love him from a distance. And and sometimes you have to love people from a distance because the truth of the matter is until people decide to change, they're still the same. <laughs> until people repent, until the Lord Jesus Christ delivered them and set them free, they're still the same. They may can pretend to be different for a little while, But how many of you know that a wolf can only hide in sheep clothing for so long? Eventually, that demon is going to manifest itself again. And so here we see King Saul trying to trick David. He told his servant, King Saul, you know, likes you. He wants you to marry his daughter. He's trying to bring him back into his presence because he still wants to set him up to try to kill him. Be careful of that. 
I'm telling you, I, I, I don't fall for the okie doke because you telling me that you changed and you telling me that you sorry, that's not enough because you should be able to see sorry. Godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. When you are truly sorry, my friend, you're going to be able to see it. Repentance is evident. When kings, when Saul was on the road to Damascus, we're talking about the apostle Paul. And he had that Damascus Street experience. You can see that he was different. When my mother got saved, you can see that she was different. Repentance is evident. So it's not enough just to say you're sorry. Because the truth of the matter is, I'm not fooled by that. Because unless you've been delivered, that demon is still in there. So let's remember to continue to pray for people. But you have to love some people from a distance. When people are have a wicked heart. And they're constantly plotting and planning and scheming. They refuse to change. This is what happens. Saul is a perfect example of what happened. He spent the rest of his life trying to kill David. It was no longer about trying to tell God he was sorry, trying to do none of that. It was, it was, it was all about trying to kill David. He was consumed with evil. He was plotting and planning their demise. Is anyone trying to plot and plan your demise? Are you plotting and planning someone's demise? That's a dangerous game to play. But what I want to say is, are you angry about someone else's issues? Because when we don't forgive people, then really what we're, we're really just angry about how they are. But also, let me tell you this about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness sets us in a seat of self-righteousness because it causes us to th- uh, look down on others and causes us not to see ourselves. And I think the reason people are afraid to forgive people like King Saul is because they think that forgiveness is, if I forgive you, that means I can come and, and, and be best friends with you, but that's not true. But if a person has, has changed, then that's, then that's good. You know, if they got delivered, that's good. But when you know that person is not delivered, they will continue to throw those swords at you just like King Saul was throwing them saws at King David. He was pretending to be his friend to bring him in his presence so he could try to sabotage. You ever, you know how we was in high school. Let's bring them over. Let's get everybody together. And then we're going to all go off on this person. We're going to corner in the bathroom. That was plotting, planning, and scheming wicked. I'm almost out of time. I'm not going to get to finish this. I need you guys to read 1 Samuel 19. Really what I'm trying to get at is that when Jonathan, um, David told Jonathan that his father was trying to kill him. And David was like, I mean, uh, Jonathan was like, no, that's not true. So David did a loyalty test. (laughs) Okay. If he, I'm going to show you um, that my father is not trying to kill you. Right. He said, go and hide. This is the story about when Jonathan hid, hid, uh, David, he said, go and hide. But see, David knew that he hadn't did anything to to King Saul. David understood that what King Saul had going on didn't have anything to do with him. He says, now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, my father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you, this was the loyalty test. Jonathan wanted to say, look, I'm going to let you know if my father is still angry with you. How many of you know that you can look at a person's life 
you can tell when a person has not forgiven you. You know, when you got somebody on your, uh, they're going to unfriend you when you put a good post on your page. Come on now. It's the small things. You can tell if a person has changed or if they haven't. When people act the same way, that means they have not changed. Okay. Jonathan spoke well of, of uh, David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works has been very good towards you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistines, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then would you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? Jonathan is like, why are you trying to do this to this man? This man has been nothing but good to you. But the Bible says, because later on you'll begin, if you continue to read that, David could not go and sit at, no longer sit at King Saul's table. He couldn't be, he couldn't be, even though David had nothing in his heart against Saul, Saul had stuff in his heart against David. And because Saul had stuff, he wanted to kill him. Even though David had nothing against him, he could not sit with him. He could not be friends with, he couldn't. You know, because Saul was bent on killing him. And how many, and so this is when it's time to cut someone off. When they have a wicked heart. I'm not talking about a bad attitude. I'm talking about when a person has a wicked heart and they mean you absolutely no good. I'm not talking about suffering because of something that you did. Because if it's something you did, you need to say that you're sorry. Okay, you really need to say that you're sorry. Saying you're sorry doesn't is simply saying, I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry that I offend you. So if you had a part to play, you need to say you're sorry. And and, and the reason I, I believe that it's so hard for people to say they're sorry because it's pride. It's all because pride. Because they equate what they do as being who they are. What you do is not who you are, but an act in which you allow your flesh to commit. Please read 1 Samuel 19. But here, David was suffering for righteousness sake. He had done everything Saul asked him to do. He was slow and faithful to him. And yet, King Saul, because of his own envy, it was his issue. Because David would be like, Saul, why are you trying to kill me? I've I've done nothing wrong to you. So David knew that the problem was not with him because his heart had not condemned him. There was nothing in him that he had said or did. And I don't know, but I've experienced persecution at this level. I was an innocent bystander. But when you're dealing with wicked, because wicked is a whole nother demon. It's not evil. It's wicked. It's where people are plotting and planning and scheming. That is, that's not, that is not good. That's not somebody you can sup in fellowship with. Because when you, you you can go from evil to wicked. If we don't forgive, you can go from evil, acting evil, to having a wicked heart. Because the more you practice evil, you become wicked. And there comes a place and a time where you can't. There's no time for repentance. I'm getting ready to have to go because my um, podcast is getting ready to end. But I think what I'm going to do is... I'm going to pick it up again on, um, I may try to pick it up on another podcast because I'm really just not getting to what it is I want to talk about. Because a lot of times we cutting people off prematurely just because they're under the influence of the devil. We need to pray for that person. But then there's times when you need to pray for people and love them from a distance because David didn't have anything against King Saul. I'm going to end it here. And I'm going to come back in part two. I'm going to end this part one. And I'm going to come back part two, shipwreck friendships, relationships. And give me one moment.